0: So here's the question, how can e-commerce leaders make sure that they are producing a great product, providing a world-class customer experience, responsibly managing their finances, and still reserve time, energy, and resources for marketing their products? My name is James Sowers, and you're listening to the e-commerce insight show, the podcast that gives you specific actionable advice for growing your e-commerce business. Every Monday, you'll get a conversion rate optimization tactic that you can implement quickly to make your business 1% better every single week. Every Thursday, we sit down with industry experts to go deep on a specific aspect of running a successful e-commerce business. It's the perfect blend of learning and application, which means that you maximize the value of every single minute you spend with us. We're just as committed to growing your business as you are. So if you're looking for a partner to help you crush your revenue goals, you've come to the right place. Roll up your sleeves and grab a notepad because it's time to get to work. All right, Nikki. Well, thanks so much for coming on the eCommerce Insight Show. Really excited to have you here to talk about all things email marketing. You know, it's a subject that a lot of people are providing consulting services in a lot of agencies out there. I think a lot of e-commerce leaders and and brand owners are familiar with email marketing and know the value of it. Surprisingly, I think a lot of folks still get it wrong. So I'm really excited to have you on the show to kind of set me straight if nobody else, but I'm sure that everybody else will get value out of it. Maybe before we get into some of the technical stuff, What's the 60-second overview of who you are, what you do for your clients, and maybe like a project or something you're working on right now that gets you excited to fire up your laptop in the morning?
1: Oh cool. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. I definitely love talking about this stuff. So <laughs> if nobody gets anything out of it, I will get something out of it. <laughs> okay. So we are a very, very small micro agency, like a micro micro agency, um, where we um, work uh, on email for SaaS and e-commerce. And something that I just recently like neurons fired in the brain like, oh, got that understanding, is how much the two industries will feed off each other for me, where I will take best practices in one industry and then start applying them to the other industry. Because each industry has their own standards and defaults. And it's just a cool way to be a little more well-rounded and and just see interesting new ideas and insights and and things to test and play with. Um, So... I always kind of was like, oh, I really should niche down into one of them. Why am I doing two? We should really do one, but I couldn't let go of either of them. And I'm kind of like, hey, that's cool. We're doing both and it's beneficial. It's a good thing. So we mostly focus on automations just because that's what I love doing. That's where I feel has a lot of impact, what a lot of people are not working on. But we will have some spillover we'll, we'll do campaigns because... Once we're handling it, you know, we'll just end up doing a retainer kind of thing um, and do the campaigns as well. But that's kind of like the front door is, okay, let's work on our post-purchase nurture. Let's work on our abandoned cart, things like that. So that's what we do. It's kind of funny to be talking about a SaaS one on an e-commerce podcast show, but they are an e-commerce focused brand, Shopify Plus Partner. And I'm just really excited about it because the project is for Elevar, which is a GTM like tagging it's like fun data stuff, you know, where just kind of making sure that your data is accurate and you're using like you have clean data, basically, because there are so many pieces of tech that we have as e-commerce merchants, you know, that are all talking to each other, but are talking to each other wrong. Um, so just making sure that all that, especially with all the new privacy laws of iOS 14 and all this like good stuff, you know, just making sure that everything is, is accurate across the board. And so we're looking on it in activation sequence and it's just very exciting because they're such an awesome brand. They really listen to the merchants. They're just so nice. Like they're just really, really awesome people and their customers are so happy with what they can accomplish. So it's kind of fun because I'm on the like other side of it as well, like using the data and saying like, Oh, all my clients should be using Elevar um, so that we can be, so it's kind of like full circle sort of, I feel like I'm talking. blah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> make any
0: sense at all no i get it it's always good to work with a great team too like the the interpersonal aspects of client work often get overlooked right but it's like the product has to be interesting the subject matter has to be interesting but also the people have to be good folks to work with or else it's not going to work for either party right like either they're going to fire the consultant or the consultant's going to fire them so it's great that you found uh, a home with was it elevar is that am i pronouncing that right yeah it's great that you you met them and uh, it seems like a match made in heaven so far. Maybe maybe we're still in that honeymoon phase. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find some blemishes down the road, but probably not. They sound like a good team. <laughs>
1: we have been working together since last year August, I think. So this is a new project, but we haven't working for a while. So I think we're past. Maybe maybe not. Maybe it's still we need that year <laughs> to get out of the honeymoon. You know, and also that will. That's a really good point that you touched on that that the great team also does filter down into the product because you know the same way they'll listen to me as a consultant they're listening to their customers too and like especially their field is changing so much right now like all the data laws are, are really changing and they have to be on top of that and listening to what's happening and changing based on that which I can't imagine is easy it's really like you know you made a great product and it worked really well and it was awesome and now you have to reiterate and, and just you know and they're just they're going with it so yeah,
0: definitely. We all have to be really um, flexible and adaptive in these days right now with everything going on in, uh, in the world and, and in business, especially e-commerce. So it's kind of crazy. You know, you said you focus on the automated sequences. Definitely want to get into those later. But I think one thing that jumped out there is the relationship between SaaS and e-commerce, which is maybe not immediately intuitive to a lot of folks. But I interviewed Val Geisler on the show, which I'm sure you know. and And I said the same thing to her. I'm like, man software is so far ahead of e-commerce in terms of certain areas, right? Like they've been operating on a subscription model for a long time. And now the thing that people are banging the drum about in the e-commerce world is like, get customers to a subscription, get them to some kind of membership community-based thing, get that recurring revenue foundation. So you're not constantly trying to like replace revenue from one-off purchases or whatever. So it's like, if you look at the SaaS world, they're so familiar with increasing customer lifetime value, focusing on retention and managing churn, getting that expansion revenue, getting people to upgrade to new plans. Like, it doesn't translate one to one in the e commerce world. Like, you're not getting somebody to go from a basic plan to a premium plan usually, but there is something like if they're buying your foundation, you also want the concealer or whatever. Like, I don't know anything about makeup, but <laughs> you wanna kind of like, you want to increase the overall value of that customer, and one of the best ways to do that is through email. So I think your point's very astute. Is like if you're struggling with email marketing strategy, or you're running out of ideas, or you feel like you've kind of like captured all the value you can, just subscribe to a few SaaS newsletters or sign up for some free trials and just see how they communicate with you. Because a lot of that stuff can be kind of tweaked a little bit and applied in an e-commerce context and can really make a big difference in terms of customer engagement, but also financials. Right?
1: Actually, especially since we were just talking about Deliver, it's very interesting because we ran in a. Upgrade sequence for them back in January, where they were changing based on all the the, the data laws. They upgraded. They did like a um, a version two. So they upgraded all their all their merchants to version two. So we were trying to get people to upgrade, and we made a mistake in terms of pulling people out of the sequence once they upgraded. So they were still getting emails even though they upgraded, and a lot of the merchants. Emailed back and said, Hey, I'm getting these emails, but it's okay. I'm actually learning a lot from them. These are really interesting. Like, we really care about email marketing and we've been like studying up. And it's interesting for us to see the emails that you're sending out. So that was so cool to hear. But it's really true that, you know, it's such an easy way to learn about marketing is just to watch emails and see what people are doing and and yeah, across the industries, what are the SaaS people doing with their subscriptions and how can we start, you know, especially because like you said, they're two steps ahead, you know, so how can we start playing around with that? So like things like, I know that uh, ProfitWell, they've been running all sorts of fun D2C shows and everything, but even reading their other emails where they're trying to get you to subscribe to their product, that's going to give you some interesting learnings as well. So yeah, definitely great ideas.
0: Awesome so i was doing my research like a good podcast host before this and i went to your site and what caught my eye is you have this section in the hero area where it's like do you want to test drive a sequence so you sign up for my newsletter i'm guessing or they get on some kind of email list segmented whatever that you have but i'm curious like without you know spilling the the secrets that you have in there Because I've never really seen that before. Like, I'm an email marketing person, test drive my sequence and just see how like I manage my audience and my community. Can you give us like a high level overview of like what that is? That's more of a curiosity. You know, I guess you could call it an icebreaker. But I saw that during my research. And, and, you know, before we get into the meat of the conversation, I'm just like, what is this all about? You know, and I could subscribe and find out. But unfortunately, I saw it like yesterday. And so I wouldn't have time to get all the emails. So what's the deal there? Why did you put that together? And what's the goal?
1: That's an awesome question. So yeah, I just felt like So many people were coming to my site and then wanting to hire me and having like a whole bunch of conversations about around hiring me, like what you know, all the questions you have when you're considering to work with a consultant. So I was just kind of like, why don't we just automate it? Like this is what I do for everyone else is automate all these conversations. But beyond that, because yes, exactly, like it's not like I'm trying to automate the relationships, you know, we were gonna have good client relationships. But yeah, it was very much like the questions of like, you know, can we see a sample is like well every I think this is really what started it was every industry and every brand is so not industry every brand and every company and every like they're all so nuanced in terms of who their customers are and and so many times I would send a sample and they'd say like oh but we can't have that voice and tone like do you do this kind of voice and tone like we're much more buttoned up can you like you know so there would just be this like conversation around samples that was just okay fine let's scratch the customers like just see how I work in terms of like how i will write for you and how i default to the strategy and something interesting is you mentioned that you won't you wouldn't be able to get the emails in time so one thing that i did was that instead of it being a drip of one day one day one day you can click and just get them on your schedule because that's something that really frustrated me always with e-courses was I would sign up one day and then like I wanted that information now I didn't want to wait five days for you to drip it out just because like that's the best practice we send out one email a day I was actually still that from Brennan Dunn he had an e-course where like you could click through and just get all the emails when you actually want them so I thought that was a really cool strategy so yeah it's kind of just like a little test drive exactly like It was also sort of from this whole idea of, you know, every SaaS founder is now trying to move to product-led growth where you can test it out yourself and without getting on a demo and just, you know, without actually, you know, having that conversation, just do a little bit of testing it out yourself, trialing it out yourself. Um, so I was like, okay, how could you trial a sequence? Okay, let's write one and then let's see how you like it. So that was kind of like a bunch of the, the thoughts around around that test drive. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, you can uh, choose to, or maybe at the beginning, you can choose to be in the newsletter. I don't remember if I set it up in the beginning or the end, you know, and then, yeah, you'll you'll get the rest of the newsletters or or not. If you just want to see if you want to hire me, then you could just take the test drive too. So It's
0: a fun experiment. (laughs) It's really smart to use the choose your adventure kind of model because, especially if the context, I mean, that, that just accentuates how important it is to know your customer. Because, like, if you know that these are clients who want to see a sample of your work, like, they probably just want to rifle through six or seven emails. And, like, you could have just put that in a Google Doc and said, Here's a welcome sequence I wrote for my own business, like, review it but that doesn't really feel as polished as like at least getting them in into their inbox, like seeing the emails, how they're designed, maybe they're plain text or whatever, but like just seeing a real tangible example and then, okay, well, I got one, I want the next one right now. And right now, so they can still like move through that at an accelerated pace and knock it all out in less than an hour, right? They could just rapid fire click through that and I'm sure they get delivered pretty much right away. But it's just so much more impactful, I think, than dropping it in a Google doc and just saying like, here's, here's something I wrote for myself. So here's an example of my work, right? I think putting them in that experience kind of helps them forecast what that would look like for their customers, right? And how they would be guiding their own experience. So that's super smart. Great, great play there. I like that strategy. Awesome.
1: Thank you. I think that's also like, yeah, I just like default to like, okay, list, list, email, email. Like it's, it didn't even like cross my mind. Like, oh yeah, I could make a portfolio. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's like, no, emails. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I think it's a great example of, of your capabilities. So um, I think that was super, super savvy. Let's talk about email marketing, right? I think, like I said before, in the e-commerce space, I think people get the value of email marketing. Like, you hear a lot of people out there, like, if you're not getting 30% of your revenue in an e-commerce context from email as a channel, then you probably have room for improvement. So let's talk about that. But at the same time, like... I buy a lot of products and I still have some really bad email experiences, right? People are using off-the-shelf confirmation emails produced by Shopify, WooCommerce, whatever they've got used as their platform. There's like no follow-up post-purchase. So it's just crickets until the product shows up at my door. And then even after that, I'm not pitched for a review. I'm not pitched for a referral. None of that kind of stuff. Like there's just so much more opportunity out there. And I'm curious if you have a perspective since you work in the industry, why that might be like when folks come to your door, is it, hey, I don't know the first thing about email marketing, or is it I'm too busy, I haven't touched it yet? Or what's kind of holding founders back? Because there are some brands out there doing a really great job. And maybe you know, some of those, and we could share some of those today. But there are a lot of brands that are just kind of like, just coasting, right and leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. So So why do you think that is, if they understand the value, but aren't quite executing on that? What's the, well, the gap there? What's causing that kind of gap in between the knowledge and the execution?
1: I feel like it's a few things. I feel like definitely the busyness is, is that's always, you know, a, a good reason. Um, but I think also there's a little bit of a, a gap of understanding what it means to get to that 30%, you know, where can I just do it with these out-of-the-box templates that Shopify is giving me, that Klaviyo is giving giving me? um, Will that do it for me? Um, And you'll read a lot of blog posts that say, yes, that does work. You just need to have the pieces in place. Like, you know, if you set an abandoned cart reminder, you know, two hours after, which is what the recipe is in Klaviyo, um, you're going to recoup whatever the stat is, uh, I don't know, 27% or something like that. Uh, and if you set another one that it ups to 43%, um, and and this is true to some extent, whereas having something in place is going to, it's going to move the needle for you. It definitely will. Like that's how powerful email is, is that if you do bare bones, basic, you will see results. It's amazing. I love it. It's fabulous. Um, but I think there's a gap of understanding how when you customize, how much of a difference is going to make it, how it's going to just bring things up even more. Um, so I think I think that's definitely like you know you'll you'll see a lot of best practices around just the basics because the basics do do good work. And then understanding how it can get even better, that's where I feel like is the gap of the knowledge um, to the point where a lot of the like, our leads will, who come in are just, you know, like, okay, can you just write something for us? Um, And not understanding, you know, that we want to be talking to the customers. We want to be, you know, seeing that customer journey. We want to be strategizing and customizing and doing a little bit more beyond just like taking the template and making it more snazzy, Um, you know? So yeah, I think that's, that's probably where the gap is more.
0: Yeah, I think we see a lot of the same stuff in optimization, where like people are like, I know conversion optimization or CRO is important. I read about it all the time. I see these case studies of you know companies that committed to it and saw these big lifts, but I don't know how to do it right. So I just don't do it at all. Something like that. And it's like, I'm afraid. I know if I do it right, it can make a big impact. But if I make a bad decision, I can actually lose money. I can lose customers. I can reduce the size of my list, whatever. So I think maybe there's the same thing going on with email where it's like, I know I read about all these brands or I hear on podcasts how great they are at email and I just don't know how to replicate that for me and that's where somebody like you would come in and help guide them through their process maybe do that customer research on the front end that kind of thing and like kind of brainstorm that out map out the sequences and that kind of thing so the other thing I think is is holding a lot of folks back is they think email marketing is just newsletters and sales campaigns and promotions and stuff like that and that's definitely part of it but like you said at the beginning of the show like you specialize in kind of these automated evergreen sequences welcome sequence, abandoned cart, post purchase, whatever it might be. And there's a lot of money to be made there too. But a lot of tools and platforms will give you kind of an off-the-shelf solution for that. And it's fine. But even they would probably say, we never intended this to be your solution forever, right? Once you get to a certain size, there's a level of sophistication that should probably come with that, right? So if we weigh kind of the one-off promotional type of stuff that I just call them sales emails versus kind of the more customer journey focused, you know, automated sequences, how would you distribute like I don't know if it's really opportunity or revenue potential or whatever, but like if you were a brand owner, where do you divide your attention in terms of like 80% to campaigns and 20% to workflows or, you know, switch those numbers or somewhere in between? Like, what do you recommend?
1: Good question. See, I tend to look at it as the newsletters are, you're always doing them and you always have to keep churning them out and churning them out. Whereas your automations, you set them and you can't forget them. You can never forget anything. You can never set anything and forget it. I don't know why that's even a phrase. It's first of all, foundational forever. And then, you know, you just revisit it and optimize it going forward. So I feel like the effort should be a lot more intense in the automations because that's, you know, it's also, it's it's where your touch points are. So you're seeing that customer interest right away. And so it's following that journey. You know, if your customer is showing interest and and taking actions, then you want to be following up with that. Whereas your campaigns, they're just kind of on your schedule. So campaigns are wonderful. You should definitely be sending them and they will be giving you great revenue. But I feel like if you have to choose between them, then more effort should be put into the automations. And then the campaigns will kind of Get there based on. That's another cool thing is that you could be pulling pieces from your automations and just kind of repurposing them. Something that's very interesting. I do these e-commerce playbooks, and so I just pull different examples and kind of. So it's like just a basic walkthrough of like what you're trying to accomplish with this sequence. You know, nitty gritty things to like be putting into place. Um, and then I do like a whole bunch of tear downs of all the different types of emails you could put into that sequence. Uh, and then I tear down like a full sequence. And one thing that's very interesting for me when I'm looking at these emails, looking for examples to be tearing down is, you know, I just like type in, let's say um, a brand name in my inbox and just look at their different emails. And some companies, it's very hard to tell which ones are the post-purchase emails and which ones are their campaigns because they do their post-purchase so well that they have like similar ideas within their campaigns. And you can, and because like, it's me just looking at it, like, you know, from two years ago when I bought this product, um, you know, and I'm not remembering exactly when I got them and all that, you can really see that they're mimicking certain things like, okay, they had this campaign about this, you know, myth that somebody has about their product and that shows up in their post-purchase as well. So there's a lot of like back and forth in between that you can be playing around with it. So I didn't quite answer your question, but I feel like Automations are very foundational and you should make sure to have them in place both from your customer's experience side of things and then also for you as you're developing what you want your campaigns to be so that they're not just 50% off sales. I mean, okay, no one does a 50% right. sale, but, um, you know, sale, 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 sale. So like, what are some thoughtful things that you can be doing that are not just content that are sales emails that will get that sale, but are beyond just a discount or a promotion and are more, you know, walking them through objections or educating them about your products or things that are a little more strategic that you will naturally be able to pull from your automations.
0: Yeah, From my seat, it sounds like the campaigns or the promotional emails are more of a volume play, right? That's like being present in the inbox, staying top of mind, nurturing those relationships frequently, right? Being on a consistent cadence. Maybe you hear from us every Thursday or something like that. But then the automations are more like targeted, lots of work up front, but once they're launched, like they're pretty reliable. So it might be like comparing a shotgun, which sprays all over the place to a sniper rifle, like very targeted, we're gonna dial this in. It's never finished, but we're gonna get it to a point where we're comfortable with it, launch it, and then set a reminder to come back every quarter, every six months, whatever, and look at it and see if it's still fresh and relevant. Um, I heard a couple of tactical things in there, I think that you didn't necessarily say, but I'm gonna throw some ideas out there and you can react to them. One would be create a burner account email account and subscribe to a bunch of stuff. Uh, Maybe not just competitors, but people have similar products. Like if you have a product that's reusable, like a consumable good, makeup, food, whatever, find some other folks who aren't necessarily in your same category, but have a similar product, subscribe to all their stuff, maybe purchase one product and just filter all those emails into one place. Um, you could set filters up in Gmail for the brand name or the from address or whatever, and kind of get those into folders. And then you can just go back and look over the last year, like how have they communicated with me and what can I take from that and maybe apply to my business? I mean, I hesitate to tell folks to do that blindly, right? Think about it, think about your customer, think about what's important to them. What's working for one person might not work for you, but that's an option. And then the other thing I heard is this interplay between you know, the automated campaigns, the workflows, and the sales promotional emails and kind of like blending those two taking something from the campaign putting it into a weekly email or vice versa the other thing I would throw in there is your content marketing. If you're blogging and you're writing to solve customer needs and educate customers, uh, if you're seeing a lot of traffic, if you're seeing a lot of engagement, comments on those articles or they're getting shared on social media, that might be a signal like, ding, 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 let's put this in our post-purchase flow. Let's put this in our welcome sequence. Like Something about this is written in a way that people like it and they seem to be engaging with it. So let's put it you know, somewhere in that customer journey, either right before the sale to get them to the sale or right after the sale to make them feel good about it and get them buying again and telling friends. Uh, That's something that stood out to me, but I don't know how you feel about either of those ideas, the build the burner inbox or the share content marketing insights with the email side of the house as well.
1: A thousand percent. Super insightful. Yes, absolutely you know, the burner email idea. That's like my number one strategy. Anytime anybody says, you know, like, okay, how can I learn more? And obviously there are places where you can like officially learn, but just subscribing to emails is just, it's gold. You're just seeing so many different ideas and yes, you have to evaluate which ones will work for your brand and which ones won't, but it just, it just opens up the doors to a lot of ideas and creativity and and just things that you won't think of. I actually just found this service called MailCharts, which, um, you know, you'll see a lot of curated email, these companies that just like curate emails, like here's great emails and you could type in, you know, subscription emails and they'll just pull up a bunch. So MailCharts is similar, but what I really like about MailCharts that I don't like about the other ones is that they give you a lot of context. So you can actually sign up. It's not cheap. It's hundred bucks a month, but you can sign up and see the journey so instead of buying all the stuff and seeing all the post-purchase journeys they will give you all those journeys and you'll see you know like post-purchase here's what they did here's what they did post-purchase you know here's that whole abandoned cart sequence it's just like seeing like tons of this stuff with all the context of that so it's also similar to you know the other ones where you have to kind of understand the context and like getting it in your inbox is definitely definitely the best but you know we can't just Buy everything just to see all the emails. So I thought that was a really cool angle where you get a little bit more of the context and you get to see the interplay between things. It was just cool, you know. And like I, I love reading these emails because it just gives so much, so much, so many ideas and so much like just food for thought kind of stuff. So if you are hesitant to create an email and get a whole bunch of emails, then there's another option. So yeah, because that's definitely the biggest oh man, like I have to get more
0: emails in my inbox? Like, no. so It's, It's funny, people will say that, but it's like, oh, if only there was a way for you to have a separate inbox that wasn't cluttered with all your actual important stuff. Like if only you could just create a separate account, just one more password, right? And then you have all that in there and you can set up filters and everything. Um, The other thing I was going to say is it's funny how like if somebody decides they want to start a garden or like they want to refurbish a car or something like you go to the library, you go online, you research, you learn how to do it and then you do it. But with email, like people don't do research. They don't like go research how other brands are doing it. They just kind of like throw something in a Google Doc and then they put that in a pretty email and then they launch it and they're like, I hope this works, right? But it's like, there is a lot of information out there. You just got to do the legwork. And like we talked about earlier, brand owners, especially for smaller brands are very busy. And so I don't fault anybody who's like trying to get minimum viable email marketing going. But at some point, it's probably good for someone to take the time to actually do that kind of like market research and get some ideas going and then bring that back to the team and figure out what's right for you. So very, very astute observation there. I got a question for you about email design. So you straddle this kind of e-commerce and SaaS clientele. I feel like in the SaaS world, it's much more... Accepted to have kind of plain text or text based emails. Whereas, like on the e commerce side, I see a whole lot of very stylized, like big pictures, lots of brand colors and flourishes, and like these little elements. It's not plain text by any means for the most part. Now, when you work with your e commerce clients, are you advocating one way or another? And is maybe a sales promotional email designed a little bit differently than one of those workflow emails, those automated sequences that happen based on a trigger or some kind of customer activity?
1: I've, I've come a long way with this. This has been like a journey for me because I came in through the SaaS side of things and I see all these e-commerce emails and I was like, you can't do that. You know, don't you know, like you need plain text. That's that's what people will read. That's what people will feel personal. Like you can't just have pictures and then listening to the brand owners saying like, well, we did these photo shoots and like people need to see the products. And like, and I was like, oh yeah, they actually do. You're right. If people do buy with their eyes and and, you know, so coming to this, idea of the marriage of images and and text. And that plain text is not always the best fit, um, especially in e-commerce. So it's been an interesting, you know, just understanding that each industry does have their defaults for a reason, but then seeing, okay, how can we bring things up a notch? Because yes, those campaigns that are just pictures, 50% off, nothing persuasive to them, that's not going to do as well as something that has some text to it, that, you know, has some strategy of compelling people to buy and moving them towards that conversion. So definitely you'll see a lot more with the automation side of things, you know, the, the workflow emails, you definitely want to be doing a lot more of the persuading legwork. So you want to leave room in your designs for The copy and not just like squishing it in you know um (laughs) or like sticking it in a gif that you can't even read because it's moving too fast or things like that um but definitely you know where whereas a campaign is sometimes more sale-based and that that is the persuasion is the fact that it's a discount people like discounts humans like discounts you know you can get away with that you can't get away with that forever though so that's again where you know you kind of have to keep pulling back and and adding in more copy to your sale emails and being more strategic and not just discounting or bonusing or all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think images are great in e-commerce. People do want to see what they're going to buy. Most e-commerce brands have beautiful pictures, um, but just making sure that you are giving more than just a sale, sale, fly I, I call them flyer emails where it's just it's just a flyer. That's all it is, you know, um, where it's, it's you want to respect the fact that you're in someone's inbox and that you're not just, being promotional, you are promotional. You can be promotional. People want to know about brands that they love, but then you're just giving a little bit more value. And it's a funny thing when people talk about like giving value very often, especially if they're opting in on a, you know, a, a lead cap that is a discount, then what is the value? The value is the fact that they're getting sold to, they want to get sold to, they're interested in your product, that is value. But where you're giving value in a sense that you're helping them make the decision, that you're helping them choose the right product, that you're helping them choose the right sale, even maybe not this sale, but the next sale. So yeah, that's kind of like the interplay between images and copy is is making sure that that there is that interplay, that it's not just images. It's not just plain text because that's not gonna work, but you know, making sure that there's that balance there.
0: So awesome. Yeah, I, maybe it's worth testing too, right? Like I want to get into testing a little bit later after we talk about some of these sequences, but Testing like one thing that I love to see is immediately post purchase a plain text email from the founder or from some kind of senior leader at the brand just saying like, hey, thanks for buying it means the world to me. Here are three things you need to know since your product is on the way. Like when you get it, you know, clean it this way or whatever, like test it in this order, that kind of thing. Just a little personal touch there and it's and it's from them. Ideally, if you reply, it goes to them or it goes to, you know, some inbox that's managed by their assistant, whatever's got to happen. But like, I like that kind of plain text personal touch immediately post purchase. Uh, That's just one example. But maybe it's worth experimenting throughout these different types of emails. Like, obviously, if it's a sale, or it's promoting a specific product, you got to see the product in some way. But there are some engagements where it's like, maybe it makes more sense for it to feel like it came from a person who's just checking in and seeing how your experience with the product went now that you have received it. And it's been a couple of days, right? Like maybe that's the personal touch. And I don't need a bunch of graphics. I just need, you know, James in my inbox saying, Hey, how's it going with that new sweater? Is it fitting? Okay. Like, here's the details about returns. What do you think about the material? Just remember, you want to care for it this way. So it doesn't fade or, or, you know, tear or a tatter or anything like that. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's worth experimenting. So I definitely want to get into like things that you test in email a little bit later and how you set those up. But maybe before we do that, let's talk about some of these sequences because we're talking kind of the blend of the two promotions, campaigns, and also like automated sequences or workflows. Like if you come into a client account, is there a certain place that you know, I can just dive right in here and almost always make progress and get a quick win And because you want your clients to kind of retain you over the long term, right? So it's like, I know 90% of the time when I jump in, they've got the standard abandoned cart sequence that offers a discount right away an hour later. And then it's got these time gates that like everybody's experienced, like my wife's conditioned to automatically abandon her shopping and wait for the email because it'll come within the next hour and then use that discount code. So like consumer behavior has adjusted to this. It's so um, it's so much of a recipe, right? Like a repeatable process. Uh, I don't know if that's the one where you would jump in, but is there a place where you know, like, I know if I jump in and I create a sequence or I improve this existing sequence, I'll get that first client win. And then we make real progress in months two, three, and four, but I got to kind of earn my keep in that front end.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it's funny because I always default to like, we should really do the abandoned cart first because of this, because so many people are conditioned to this, and because there's so much data out there on how abandoned carts are so you know, giving those notifications are so, it's so lucrative. But what I've seen actually more, and there's less like data out there in, you know, the blog posts of the world is optimizing the post-purchase because that is harder to track and harder to, whereas with the abandoned cart, that recipe does decently well enough that it will make more of an impact to customize the post-purchase that like the the basic template post-purchase does like eh, and then once you customize it, it does like great. Whereas the abandoned cart template does like, oh, okay. And then customizing it does it great. So that gap of eh to great and then okay to great. I'd rather like focus on the post-purchase. And I think that's because they're already a customer. They've, They've become a customer. So you know that they are warmer and they're open to more conversation. And also that you can follow that journey really well, you know, like, you know, when the item left the warehouse, when it's getting to them, when they're probably starting to use it, when they're probably reaching that like aha moment. So really being able to like follow through with that is going to really help them continue on the journey with them. And that's something that I don't see a lot in post-purchase nurtures is what besides the repeat purchase are you trying to accomplish you know and like the repeat purchase might be that goal and that's totally fine that's a great goal you are in the business to make money and sell more products but like what are some other ways that you can get them to that repeat purchase you mentioned something previously um you know get them getting them to join your community getting them to read your blog posts just getting them in your ecosystem so that they're not just a customer but a brand advocate so moving them through these goals to all these different little micro goals until they get to that final, okay, I am going to do a repeat purchase, you know, hitting that goal. Um, There's like so many different touch points that you can follow through with the post-purchase that it's just like a really fun, great way to optimize and, and get the customer to just feel happy about your brand. And, and it's a good win for the clients. And it also is, kind of that foundational thing that I was saying before that can feed a lot. Once I start reading all the blogs and I'm like pulling which ones to put into the post purchase, then I have all this information and now it's like, okay, let's, let's do the welcome secrets now because, oh, I want to pull this and, you know, and it just kind of like feeds all that. It, It becomes very, you know, foundational.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I can imagine it's one of the more robust sequences too. I mean, if you think about it, you make a purchase and it takes a few days to get to their home. So that's automatically a week and you can touch base with them several times throughout that process. Maybe one of the emails I love to see there is like an FAQ email. So take your FAQ page that nobody reads and turn those into actual emails and say like, hey, your product's on the way. I hope you're excited. You probably have a question about this and here's our best answer for it. And so it's like, okay, yeah, when I get it, I can't wait to dig in there and, you know, get it set up properly or whatever I got to do. Um, But then after they receive their product, you can check in and see how things are going and see if they have any questions or they need a return. That's a great relationship building tactic there. And then further down the line, there are all kinds of things you can do. You could ask for a review. You could get them to join kind of your referral program to get rewards for sending other customers your way. You could pitch them on complimentary products, right? But what I love about post-purchase, and I'm glad you brought that up as kind of like the place you love to play first, is because there's never a higher sentiment between a customer and your brand than right after when they buy that's the biggest commitment I can make in that moment. And I'm saying, I like your brand and I at least want to try it. Right. So why wouldn't you make some of your most compelling offers or like make your most personal kind of like educational, nurturing, value-based propositions right there in those immediate days following that? Because like, I'm just feeling warm and fuzzy and I haven't like gotten the product yet. So there's no chance I've had a bad experience yet. And I'm in this kind of like middle ground where I'm excited to get it, but I don't have it yet and I'm feeling good about the purchase, but if you just kind of like allow crickets to set in and maybe there's a shipping delay or something like that, like all of a sudden I'm like, I don't even remember ordering this, right? I don't remember like what it was about or whatever. And if you don't use that space, then you run the risk of like losing a really strong connection with a customer who could buy from you again or could tell a bunch of friends about you. And I just think that's a really big missed opportunity that. I don't know, the majority of brands that I interact with, like aren't even touching that. And so I think it's really smart that you said, let's jump in there and um, take advantage of it and then use that as kind of like the foundation or the raw material to go back and look at a welcome sequence and abandoned cart or, or something like that.
1: That's a really good point about that emotion, you know, like, yeah, anytime I buy something and then I see that name in the inbox, it's like, oh, my things, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's that excitement. And anytime you can get emotion, in your inbox, in, in your customer's inbox, it's like a huge opportunity. So yeah, that's definitely like a big difference between, you know, an abandoned cart or a, even a welcome to the email list. Obviously, you know, they give you their email address. That's something that's valuable. You know, that emotion is going to be high after that post-purchase. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about one of those other two. Do you want to get into the welcome sequence or the abandoned cart? Where, where do you like to go next? I mean, the abandoned cart's kind of like, I don't want to say it's, it's established, but most people it's like, two or three steps maybe, and there's always a discount at the end or maybe right at, right away. It depends on how you manage your brand and whether you want to be like a premium brand or like how you lead. But I feel like that one's a little bit more established. So maybe we don't even need to address it. But like, I just think a lot of brands give the discount right away. And I'd like to see them at least reserve it for the end and be more of a Hail Mary, right? Like first one is maybe, well, I don't want to do your job for you. So <laughs> how do you feel about abandoned card sequences? Let me get your thoughts and then maybe I'll chime in if I hear, hear anything that uh, I feel differently about or I've had a different experience with.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I think the biggest, biggest problem that I have with abandoned cart sequence is that they typically have no information to them. They have no anything to them. It's just a reminder, you know, it's like, Hey, you forgot something. Hey, you forgot something. Hey, you forgot something. Here's a coupon. So often It's not that I forgot to abandon my cart. I mean, listen, uh, that definitely will happen that, you know, you get busy and all that kind of thing. But many, many, many times it's the fact that you just, you're not sure about something, you know, you're like, is this really a good product for me? Is that, you know, like, can I, do I want to pay shipping on this? Or, you know, how long is it going to take to get to there's just questions. You know, anytime you abandon cart, there's often the questions surrounding it versus just like, oh, I forgot. So great. Send out the forgot one. You reminded them, wonderful. You know, let's hit some objections that people might be having. Let's talk them through and help them reach a conclusion. So, you know, either that could be like that FAQ email that you um, mentioned, or breaking it up into a few FAQ emails. You know, just pointing them to a piece of content that could answer the questions. Have helping them get in touch with support, you know, that's another great um, opportunity. And that's actually something, by the way, that I think SaaS can learn from e-commerce is having that live chat there. You know, yes, it's an investment, but people do have questions before they're going to purchase. So helping them through that. So those are like the kind of like basic, you know, and then test it. Like, see what happens if you don't offer it just kind of at all, like throughout the sequence, you know, and just what what's going to happen there. And then, yes, definitely don't just throw out a discount right away. You know, we don't want to condition our customers to do that as much as I love discounts, you know. But, yeah, definitely waiting until the end. And also, even that, you know, like that three-day, five-day kind of thing, uh, what would happen if you waited a week? We are very much, we want our stuff right away when we want it. But sometimes if it's something that people are really thinking about and or something that wasn't just like an impulse buy, something that they can wait on, you know, what happens if you wait a week? Will they actually want it more because they've been thinking about it for the week or because they were just kind of browsing then and now they're kind of like, yeah, I still want it. Like imagine that that the beauty of that full week, wanting it a whole week later, that means it's not just this impulsive decision. its It's something like, oh yeah, I want this and I want to try that and how much how they'll look forward to that and build that relationship a little better. So there's all sorts of fun things you can test with this. Um, but just kind of thinking more from the customer side of things where they're not just like, oh, I forgot or, oh, man, I, I left my credit card at home. You know, just it's that decision around buying what's going into that decision. And, and you as a founder should know that and probably do know that, especially if you're talking to your customers, you know, what, what went into the decision of buying the product.
0: That's a really cool idea for extending kind of the lifestyle because I think everybody thinks about abandoned card sequence like this last two or three days, right? You get one an hour after you abandon, 24 hours, and then maybe 48 or something like that. And that's it. And that's all they do. And that's because that's like the off the shelf arrangement. But man, what if you extend that, especially for high ticket products, like what if you extended that a month? And it's like you get a few right away in that in an immediate week and then it's silence. And then three weeks later, you say like, hey, still dreaming about that Fender guitar? Like you deserve it. Treat yourself or something like that, like some kind of mess. Because, you know, like they're still thinking about it. If they were shopping for it, like um, shopping for something expensive, like a guitar or a computer or something, it's like, hey, are you still having trouble with your laptop? Does that thing need an upgrade? Like We're still here and here's some questions about that. I think that's super savvy. That'd be really cool.
1: I think people probably think that their newsletters will take over for that. So like, what do you mean? I'm still top of mind. My newsletter will do the job for me. But yeah, it would be so much more targeted if it's actually addressing the fact that your laptop still doesn't work and you need an upgrade.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. a one to one and one to many. Like consumers they're sensitive to that. Like you can tell, I mean, it's, it's obvious in some ways, but in other ways, it's like, if it just says, Hey James, are you still frustrated with your laptop? Like I noticed you were browsing for this new MacBook pro or whatever. Like, I don't know if yours is broken or running slow or, or whatever, or um, you're looking for a gift. We're still here and here are a few things you should know about it. And if you want to pick up your purchase, like it's right there for you waiting. Uh, if this is a better time or whatever, like you got your tax return or something. I don't know if you got like, you know, there, there are a hundred different reasons why somebody might buy a month later. And it's totally valid to like, you don't want to spam them. You don't want to do it every day for a month, but like give them a little break and then bring it back around and say, is this still on your mind? And if I you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them or if the time is right now or you're ready to commit to it like here pick up where you left off and I think I think that'd be super super savvy um there was something else that you mentioned there that I wanted to dig in on oh so like what do you think about in the abandoned card sequence sharing somewhere in there sharing like uh, here's how other people use this right maybe it's your team doing like a quick little 60 second youtube video using the product or it's like customer reviews but it's like um segmented based on what was in their cart and it's just like okay so maybe it's faq uh, maybe it's how can we help like hit reply and our support team will step in and then it's like here's why stacy from wisconsin loves this product and here's her review or here's her using it something like ugc like I think that is kind of underutilized too. I almost never see that. And I'm just wondering, like, you have 397 reviews on your product page. Like, use that to help somebody buy in an abandoned cart sequence context, right? That just feels like a missed opportunity.
1: Yes, definitely. I love review emails there. So it's just reading the reviews, like, all of a sudden you're like, why can't, well, like, of course I need to buy this. You know, like, I'll, I'll be convinced, you know, even just writing the emails. Yes, it's definitely... What I will see often is just like a waterfall of reviews. Like, here's what other people have to say, make your decision based on this, review, 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 Um, which is definitely fine, it works, but yeah, creating that story more around them. And it doesn't mean just like one customer story, but kind of just making it a theme of the email. So like, if you know that people hesitate because of reason X, then choosing the reviews that are around that and creating the narrative of the email around that idea. Because yeah, people trust other people more. So just giving and even just, you know, hearing people work through their hesitations, you know, like if you have a review that's like, well, I wasn't sure because of whatever, you know, that's, that's very powerful. It's like hugely helpful to help people move past the hesitations they have and get there. Definitely. Yes.
0: Awesome. So let's cover this last category really quickly, the welcome sequence. So I'm picturing this as somebody sign up to your newsletter. Like every site in the world has one of those discount pop-ups. I just want the 10% discount code or whatever. Give me your email. And then there's some point between that and when they fall into kind of like your regular weekly newsletter, marketing email cadence. Is that what you're thinking when you say welcome sequence? And if so, what are the most important aspects for that for the brands that are executing it well, not necessarily, you know, the default that a lot of brands put in place, which is probably one or two emails and then drop them into the sequence, right?
1: So it's kind of similar to the post-purchase in that you are following that customer journey, you know, they just gave you that email. Now, what do they want? What do they want? So they didn't buy, but they're telling you they're interested. So there's kind of like a few options of what they want and what they're interested in, what they're thinking, and and you kind of want to be matching that. And okay, so if you have a really expensive product, is it that they are, you know, just kind of wanting to learn more and, and just like mitigate some risk. So what can you do about that? You know, can you educate them? Can you um, have them join a community where they'll talk to people and just, you know, work through that idea. So just kind of like following, like what, what's happening here? Like, why are they subscribing but not buying? Are they just not ready? Are they just, you know, an email marketer who wants to read your emails? (laughs) You know, just kind of like walking through like what's, What's happening and talking to your customers, to your subscribers is a very helpful way of understanding why they just, you know, subscribed, but didn't buy. And then yes, obviously if they're looking for a discount, then, you know, they just want the discount. Um, And then, so what can you do if they just want the discount? What can you do to keep them interested in your emails? Because you want them to continue reading your emails. So some cool things are just, you know, like asking them, like uh, just doing a survey, like, you know, oh, hey, you know, "What, what would be helpful for you? showing up in, in your inbox, you know, or not a survey, right? But like, here's the different things that we can be offering you, kind of a self-segmenter. And they don't even need to know that it's a self-segmenter. It could just be like, hey, there's a few blog posts for you to read, which one, you know, just here they are. And then tracking the clicks, you know, which one did they express interest about? Um, and then just, you know, segment them that way. So kind of allowing that also to help you help them, you know, by just putting them into the proper segment based on on their engagement. So there are a lot of similarities between the post-purchase because you're kind of continuing that like brand loyalty kind of thing. Like you're trying to get them also the same way a post-purchase often, you're trying to get them to a repeat purchase. So with a welcome, you're trying to get them to that purchase. So there are some similarities there, but it's, Like you said, you should be saving like your good stuff for your post-purchase people. Um, And also your post-purchase people already bought. So you're trying to more to activate them and get them excited about the product and using the product. Whereas with the welcome people, you're trying to get them to feel like they really need this product. They want this product, you know, more around the hesitation versus around the benefits. Obviously, you'll stick in the benefits too, but just like working through that journey.
0: Yeah. have a little bit of a background in kind of the info product space or like digital products like ebooks courses that kind of thing and i know there are some tools on that side of the house that would allow you to put a link in the email and if somebody clicks that link they get a certain tag and then that segments them down a different journey they get a different set of emails from somebody who clicked the second link Is that something that exists in klaviyo or some of the more popular e-commerce tools or is it more like you would have to get somebody out of their inbox to a type form or a survey or something like that and then based on how they answer the questions of the survey you can use a tool like zapier or something to connect the two dots there because i'm just wondering how segmentation works Uh, it seems like the welcome sequence is probably the best place for that like what's holding you back or what questions do you have? Is it, is it price? Is it unsure about the features and specifications? Is it, you know, I'm worried about fit or, you know, colors or materials or something like that. Or I have an allergy and I'm worried if like the ingredients are going to something like that, like letting somebody pick the one. And then you have kind of four lanes of emails that somebody could go down. If they say allergy, they get three emails talking about, you know, the nutritional makeup of your product and the allergies that definitely don't work and the allergies that you might want to be cautious about, whatever, like Um, Is that possible in some of the more popular tools that are really focused on e-commerce, like a Klaviyo or a Drip or something like that?
1: Honestly, you could do it as simply as tagging. You know, they they click and they get a tag and then the tag will then trigger the next one. It's really like a low-tech way of segmenting your list. Like you just you know, and it it even looks low tech. I mean, with e-commerce, you can make it look a lot nicer, you know, you just, you know, make some pretty like visuals or buttons or whatever. But often you'll see the self segmenters are just like a line of blue underlined text, you know, and it's, it's so low tech, but it works, you know. Um, But you, you uh, triggered an interesting thought in terms of e-commerce quizzes. So they're, you know, gaining in popularity and they're so interesting because they allow for so much segmentation, but I don't see it happening. And that's something that's very frustrating for me. Um, you know, I'll take a quiz and I'll like answer all sorts of like interesting things just to see like, what happens next? You know, are they going to segment me this May? if I say I have allergies, if I say I have a pet, then what happens? And nothing happens. And it's so frustrating because it's so easy to segment based on these quiz answers. Like that's the beauty of the quiz. Like, yes, you're trying to help them make a decision and you're, you want to recommend a good product for them, but you're collecting all this amazing data too. So Use the data, you know, collect that data and then use it to start, you know, giving those emails based on, you know, their responses. So that's just another like really cool entryway point. Like if you're, if the people are coming onto your list through a quiz, that's like a really interesting welcome sequence that will give you so much value, so much because you're collecting so much data on it um, and it will be so segmented and relevant um, that it will just perform super well
0: and i should start recommending this to my clients okay note feel free to jot that down that sounds like one of those situations where the marketing leader or somebody on the team is like we got to understand our customers better and so let's run a survey and let's collect this data but they never connect the dots like how does that impact email how does that impact customer support how does that impact sms like or even it's like this will help us create better products because we'll know what percentage of our customers have dry skin versus oily skin or males versus females or whatever and it's like yeah, that's super important, but let's also like think about how we talk to them about those issues and bring them around in the marketing, because that's going to move the needle on sales faster than creating a new product. We all know the product development cycle is like months, right? So like creating a new product's great. You should definitely do that, but you know what to have a faster impact? Email, SMS, website copy, content marketing. Like Take that data, funnel it into all the relevant tools so that you can kind of segment and contextualize those elements, because they're going to generate a return a lot faster, and it's going to be a better use of that, that quiz functionality. Awesome. I got just a couple more questions for you, if you have the time. The one thing that I wanted to uh, make sure we get in is is testing, right? So like, obviously, as a conversion optimization firm, we do a lot of testing, and we have some strong opinions about that. But in the email world, I always hear subject line, you know, test subject line, test body copy length, test CTAs. um, And you're looking at things like open rate, click through rate, that kind of thing. But like, I don't know, the tracking on those things can be so messy. Like people with ad blockers or whatever don't always, their opens don't get triggered. And then they, it can be a mess. So like maybe if that's the foundational 100 level, maybe that's where it stops. Maybe that's all there is to test. I'm highly skeptical that that's what you can test in email. I'm sure you have some other thoughts, but like when you're working with clients, what kind of things are you testing and how are you setting those up? Like Is it something that the layman can do with a help desk article? Or is it something that they need an expert like you to come in and help them because it's fairly sophisticated?
1: Would say it's not sophisticated. I feel like email is so well suited for testing, not from the technical side. Like you said, there's a, there's a, it, it's hard to collect the data on the tests because of all these issues, but because you're sending so many campaigns often, nobody's going to like be noticing all of them and be tracking everything. So you could kind of like sneak in all these tests. And, and your customers are not really going to be noticing that you're doing all these tests and you're collecting all this stuff. So I feel like it's, it's low risk, you know, because you're like, well, hold on. no, I can't change the hero on my website because X, Y, Z, you know, like it's, it's so much more of like a bigger deal to test something big. Whereas like, if you're sending out a whole bunch of newsletters, like if you're honestly, like, I think a great strategy that I might start doing is, you know, okay. Client size on, they want to get started. What's our first step? Well, Let's just start testing things and see what the audience responds to. The best way to start doing that is with the newsletters. You're sending them out so often. It's just going to give you that fast data really quickly. People are not really going to be noticing and and like chafing at the fact that like your brand voice changed because you were just testing this brand voice. Um, So it's it's like a kind of low risk, quick way of testing a whole bunch of things um, off the bat. So it's definitely like uh, testing with email is lower risk. And yeah, I test way more than just subject line and button copy and all this kind of stuff. You know, you want to be testing your hypotheses of, you know, take your post-purchase nurture. You should create two split versions of your post-purchase nurture and send some purchasers down one path and one down another, because, you know, maybe they don't need to hear email number three. It's not going to help them do a repeat purchase. Maybe actually, you know, email six should be moved up, you know, like all these different things that you're going based on some theories that you're creating based on talking to your customers, watching your customer journey, all this kind of stuff. But is it actually doing well? So instead of doing your post-purchase and then revisiting it, you know, in three months, like, Oh, did they do a repeat purchase? How many repeat purchases in the past three months and then revamping it? Like why not start from the get-go with two different theories and, and see how that goes? You know, there's just, there's so many variables with everything that like, Everything, test everything,
0: always be testing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the sentiment that I was hoping you'd get at. And I think the, the point here is like, start with the hypothesis though, like have a purpose behind the test. Like if you're just throwing stuff at the wall, then you, you never actually know what works or, or what doesn't because you don't have a system to, to track it, right? You don't even know, what the test was or why you ran it like you almost need a journal and you say like okay in june we're going to test send time or something we're going to localize it to the person's time we're going to test morning noon uh, evening whatever um, that kind of thing but like even that's fairly basic i mean to your point about the sequences test leading with a discount in the abandoned cart and run that compared to something that has the discount at the very end with a little bit more nurturing and then compare you know over 30 or 60 days like see what that does to customer value average order value conversion rate something like that like see which campaign performs better and then Maybe just turn it on as as the default or even just the sequencing of those post-purchase emails. Do you start with the FAQ or do you start with a letter from the founder? Or do you start with like, here's um basically the specifications from the product detail page just delivered in email form as kind of like a nudge and just to remind you like of what's coming up to your door and what you can expect and things like that. So. I think the point is start with a hypothesis, have some kind of an idea of like what you're expecting to see, right? Hypothesis is if we use personalized subject lines, that open rate will increase and then see if that happens, right? But if you're just kind of like winging it, then you can't really expect big time results because you just kind of, I don't know, you you don't have much of a system behind it and you don't really know why you're testing. You're just kind of doing it for the sake of doing it. And I just don't think that's effective in any area of the business, especially email.
1: I think that's a cool point where you were saying, you know, can any layman do this themselves? And I think one benefit that we have as an agency doing it is that we will create these kind of like little mini presentations before like, okay, here's our hypothesis. This is what we're working towards. Sign off on it. Does this work for you? And then we'll go and do the work and then we will have a postmortem and see like what happened. So I think it's really important if you are doing this on your own that you do that as well so that you have that like clean Okay, here's what we tested. Did it work? Like that clean process instead of just like, yeah, let's test this. And oh, I read this blog post, and let me do that. And 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 oh, I was talking to my friend, and he did this, and let me test that. You know, just that it that you you have that that reasoning and the hypotheses, and then you know the scientific method, basically. You know, like go back to seventh grade.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I w- I would say open up your your task manager, your project manager. Hopefully it has like the Kanban setup, the Trello style setup, and you have like the idea backlog, so none of those things get lost. I'm great. I'm glad you read that blog post. It does sound super awesome let's let's put it in the backlog and let's get it scheduled but then have active tests and then have completed tests you know that's kind of like your retrospective review and see how things went manage it that way because if you even concurrent tests can really like if you run in two things at the same time even if they're in separate sequences like i don't know somehow that customer journey can connect and you can really kind of trip over your own feet there so it's important to know like what's actively running when it's going to stop how long you're going to let it running and then make the time on your calendar to go back and look at the data and see like how things actually played out because they might support your hypothesis and that's great. And then you just kind of make that the default and you turn them live and funnel 100% of the, the customers through that. But maybe it invalidates your hypothesis and you got to go back and you got to run a different test. And you're like, okay, send time didn't do it. Uh, I got to do something like the from email address. And do I make that a person or do I make that from the brand, you know, or something like that? Like you just start over and... Uh, Unfortunately, there are no shortcuts, right? You just got to kind of experiment until, and and like we used to, we always like to say, you're never fully optimized. You're just kind of always optimizing, right? Like we're just trying to get 1% better every day. You're never really done. Unfortunately, that's part of entrepreneurship and, and part of just marketing and, and e-commerce in general. So Yeah, really appreciate your insight there. I've got one more question for you. If somebody is listening to this and they're like, great, I get the value. I want to do it. I'm not doing a great job of it myself, but I'm ready to make a move. There are two kind of scenarios. It's like, okay, I'm going to jump in here and do the best I can or I'm going to hire somebody to do it. And then the other scenario is I'm just going to call Nikki because she sounds really smart. She's got a lot of great ideas. So I want to work with her. In each scenario, what would you like to see a founder do so that they kind of like maximize their chances for success, right? Like if they're going to DIY it, what should they read first? What should they, you know, where should they focus their effort? There's probably an 80-20 rule in there. And then if they're going to work with a consultant or an agency like you, what should they have kind of in place before they come calling? So if
1: they're going to DIY it, I'm biased towards my playbooks. (laughs) That's basically what they're for, you know, seeing and hearing people saying like, "Okay, so how can you do it properly or just reading blog posts that were wrong? You know, they would say, like, here's how you set up an abandoned cart and me saying like, "Okay, that's that's how you take your recipe that already came with your ESP and just plug it into place. Like, I don't need a blog post to read that. You know, what can we do to make it even better? So just, you know. That's why I created that, really. So obviously, I think that's a great idea. But if you want to really DIY it, talk to your customers and walk through that journey. So use all the data that you have. You know your your Facebook ad stuff, your your GTM layer, like all the different touch points. Like see how they're spending time on your website, and then what happens after that. All the like, just map out that customer journey and be matching everything to all the touch points. So it sounds complicated, but you know, what assets do you have that match to each point that they are in? So an asset could be a discount, it could be, you know, a blog post, it could be an FAQ page, like, what do they need to hear at each point? What do they need to do at each point? And just help them through that journey. Something I once heard was like, never send an email that doesn't have a an action, like not necessarily a call to action, but like something that they can do to continue the journey. So I think that's a little like fanatic that you should never send an email like that. I think there are instances when you will. But you know, let's say that that post-purchase confirmation, um, you know, you just guys just published an awesome blog post on that where like you want to continue that journey. Don't just send that confirmation email and that's it, done. You know, what happens next? What can they be continuing to do That's that's the whole like all these different automations, that's the whole point. It's just getting them through. So just mapping that all out and know helping them through that journey so that's that's the diy way but really just like just start like just do it and and have that trello board of all the different you know tests that you're testing and just see what works what's not working what can be improved but like just starting is so important because email is so powerful and just just do it (laughs) that's what i would say yeah
0: nike had it right
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. And they paid, what did they pay, like 30 bucks for that uh, tagline? Or was it for the logo?
0: It was the logo. It was for the logo, (laughs) yeah.
1: Don't the tagline. I'm ashamed of myself that I don't know this.
0: I don't know that either, so don't feel bad. (laughs) I'll
1: have to go Google it. (laughs) (laughs) And then in terms of hiring, I would say you want to know what you're trying to accomplish, like what metrics are you working for, and what you have to offer um, you know, in terms of like that that customer journey. So what's interesting is that you can discover all this with whoever you hire, you know, and and that should honestly be a guiding point for you of, you know, like, do we want to hire these people? Are they actually going to do good work for us? You know, what's their process? You know, can they talk to our customers and discover this for us? Should we be doing it ourselves? Can we trust that we could be doing it ourselves, which I actually think that most founders can be trusted because they are they live and breathe their brand. you know, like there's so much in there. But like, how can we evaluate whether we will be doing a good job an unbiased job? You know, what will my agency be doing with this information and just kind of like laying out the foundation so that the work could be good in terms of knowing what you want to accomplish and what you have to offer uh, in terms of like your your intel basically?
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's a great answer. And you know, the only thing that, I can even think of you know from the agency perspective for what we do is like just have a certain amount of time that you're definitely going to commit to this because results generally don't come tomorrow right or even next week like they take some time especially if you're doing your job right email is probably one of those areas where you can see more of an immediate impact because you're already sending it you know on a weekly cadence or whatever and like you can kind of make an improvement and maybe see a a little uplift in sales from a promotional email. I mean, put a 50% discount in there and you'll see an increase in conversion rate. So that will definitely happen. But, But the reality is like, you should probably commit to this for, I don't know what your timeline is, but at least like 60 or 90 days, I would think to get in there, take a look at the sequences, do some customer research, like figure out what you already tested and worked or didn't work, you know, come up with a hypothesis, that kind of thing. Like these things take time, but oftentimes, at least in our business, it's like, The first 60 days might not look great, but the next 60 days sure do. And it's kind of like this compounding effect of like all the legwork done up front gives you the context and the nuance um, that you need to do a really good job from there on out. And then you have those kind of indefinitely because you took the time up front to lay the foundation. I don't know if that's the case for your business, but I wanted to share that because like from our perspective, that really helps too, to have reasonable expectations around like, how long it will take to see kind of that significant impact from the investment. And just knowing that like you're playing the long game here, right? You started the brand for a reason. You wanted to make that your life's work, at least for some amount of time that's measured in years probably. And so why would you only give any agency or consultant 30 days to prove their worth? You know what I mean? Like, so so that's, that's my feedback, but I don't know if you have any reaction to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's the learning curve where you have to understand, you know, what the audience has already been experiencing and, and letting them take the time to adjust to the shifts and the changes. You know, so obviously any new leads coming in, um, you know, they're not going to be shifting any changes, but still just changes take time. Failure is not failure. It's just yeah. Let's be all cliche, right? It's just a stepping stone to learning more. Um, you know, but but it's really true. <laughs> it's a cliche for a reason. You know where yeah, it, these things do take time. Like you can sometimes often see you know amazing results off the bat, but sometimes it's just it's just like that. You have to get there. Uh, you need a little more, or your hypothesis was wrong, and we need to just go back and and find something new to work through. It's an amazing metric not metric it's an amazing service like email is is incredible like it's it's a great driver of revenue and you just have to have the patience to get there if it's not working right off the bat absolutely yeah
0: totally agree Uh, well nikki thank you so much for your time today i know this conversation has been a delight for me and we didn't even get into segmentation or any of the more advanced stuff so maybe we'll have to have you back to talk about that and really nerd out on email marketing But I know you're at nikkielboss.com and Twitter.com slash NikkiLBoss. I'm very jealous of both of those things because I have neither of my .com nor my Twitter handle. Um, So as a marketing guy, that breaks my heart. But I, you know, I was late to the game. I wasn't always a marketing guy. But um, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience, promote? Uh, This is kind of your opportunity to to be up on the pedestal and just share whatever message you want before we say goodbye.
1: Okay, so message and promote. Promote my playbooks, uh, nikkielboss.com slash email dash playbooks. I think. Um, Yes. Yes. That is the link. We'll
0: link it in the show notes either way. Awesome.
1: (laughs) You know, I I think they're awesome. Um, I price them pretty low so that they could be accessible to companies that are just getting started with their, their email uh, marketing efforts. Um, And they'll just like foundational good stuff to be thinking about when you're sending your automations in place. And then message is just, yeah, the Nike, just do it. Like I'm such an advocate for email that you just like, just start and don't, you know, worry about the fact that you're not sending it often enough or you're sending it too often or you're, you know, you're dropping this offer or you're, you know, you didn't do that. And the best practice is that. And, you know, there's, there's so many voices that we can be having about how we're doing it wrong. We're not an expert, blah, 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 but just start and just do it. And like, it's an area where intention and action just goes so far. So just, just go, just
0: do it. Awesome. Great advice. Tried and true. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Like I said, we'll have to have you back. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, just appreciate your insights in email marketing and all things business and entrepreneurship and e-commerce. So thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you. Super fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey everybody, this is James again, and before you go, I just wanted to invite you to join one of the coolest things I get to work on as Director of Marketing here at The Good. It's called the E-Commerce Insiders List, and it's a private version of this podcast feed that gets you access to tons of additional bonus content, like extra interviews, Q&A sessions, website teardowns, and anything else we can dream up. It doesn't cost you anything but your email address, and we promise to always respect your inbox. This is just our way of forming stronger relationships with our listeners and making sure that we produce content that is actually valuable to you and to your business. If you're interested, you can join the rest of the e-commerce insiders by going to thegood.com slash podcast and dropping your email into the form at the top of the page. We'll follow up with directions for how to access the private feed, and you'll be off and running. Like I said, this is one of my favorite things that I get the opportunity to work on because it lets me interact directly with e-commerce founders and leaders just like you. If you're interested, I'd love to see your name pop up in my notifications. Until then, keep an eye out for the next episode of the e-commerce insight show, and we'll talk to you soon.